Welcome back to Cooper Duper, Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. Uh, once again, I am Jess. I am drunk. Oh, <laughs> are you? You only have <laughs> nah. two glasses of no, wine. No, it's been more than that. But mm. I'm a, I'm a little I'm a little bit wine drunk a tonight. Wine drunk. Hey, that's Mikey. That's my I'm husband. Mikey. Um, I'm usually the one wine drunk, so this is kind of a fun turnaround. Twist. <laughs> oh, no. Not like we're recording an episode about a David Lynch directed show. It's one of the, yeah, one of the great David Lynch directed episodes. Is that what we were trying to say? I can speak clearly, too. <laughs> it's going to be a fucking mess. Okay. So, we are on to uh, season two, Michael. Yes. Um, season two starts off with a bang. Um, I really, I feel like in my head, season one is like the gold standard and season two, like shits the bed immediately, but that that's is common. not at all. That's true. a common thought, but really and truly the beginning half of season two is still every it's bit as good. Extremely and this, good. this first episode is, it's a little bit, uh, David Lynch writing the ship or getting things back to like his vision. Mm-hmm. Um, but start picks up exactly where we left off from season one. Mm-hmm. Cooper's lying on the floor, but it's it's a beautiful like. Did you pull up a synopsis by the way? Yet? I did. Okay. Um, Thank you for saying I that just, secretly though, so the audience couldn't hear you. <laughs> this yeah. no. Um, I love like the way everything built, like, especially if you watch this. Like, if you put yourself in the place of watching this, taking the ride of season one while it was live and being like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And then all of this stuff happens at the end of season one. And then you have to sit around and wait. Mm-hmm. And then they come back with the longest goddamn sequence ever of just Cooper laying on the floor and the waiter shuffling across in the floor out. to bring in the milk. So- and. All of that stuff is so great, and audiences hated it. Oh, of course. And it's like I don't remember where I don't I don't have the numbers. I I saw somewhere or whatever, but it this started off with huge record numbers, like, and they could clock it like to the minute it was like huge record numbers at the start, and then five minutes in a like, shitload oh, dropped I have off to sit and five watch. more minutes a shitload dropped off like they're not gonna answer what I want them to answer right away fuck this I'm out mm-hmm. um, and I think that's amazing and and it's just David Lynch saying just just buckle up take the ride with us yeah settle back in slow it down all of that stuff we had to do to get you to this second season now let's take a step back mm. we've got a whole second season ahead of us right. take the ride and it's beautiful and it's Incredibly well done. Mm-hmm. The whole interaction between Cooper and the the waiter is just it's very good. utterly delightful. I love it. Yeah. Um, so before we get into that, we always kick it off with our mm. um, log lady mm-hmm. uh, monologue. This one's particularly wrong. This one long. long. This one's uh, uh, three paragraphs, which is longer than normal. Um, and it goes. Feels like there's a lot in it, though. It's dense. Okay. Uh, here we go. Hello again. Can you see through a wall? Can you see through human skin? X-rays see through solid or so-called solid objects. There are things in life that exist, yet our eyes cannot see them. Have you ever seen something startling that others cannot see? Why are some things kept from our vision? Is life a puzzle? 
I am filled with questions. Sometimes my questions are answered. In my heart, I can tell the answer is correct. I am my own judge. In a dream, are all the characters really you? Different aspects of you? Do answers come in dreams? One more thing. I grew up in the woods. I understand many things because of the woods. Trees standing together, growing alongside one another, providing so much. I too pitch gum. On the outside, let's say the ponderosa pine, sometimes pitch oozes out. Runny pitch is no good to chew. Hard, hard, brittle pitch is no good. But in between these exists a firm, slightly crusted pitch with such a flavor. This is the pitch I chew. Yeah. So. I, and it's it's very much like, I, I think, and again, this is, these were all written and created after the fact. Mm-hmm. And I, this is very much, to me, Lynch reminding the audience, you loved season one. Yeah. A lot of you hate season two. There's a sweet spot in the middle that makes all of this worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a long roundabout way to say all that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, I don't have a ton to contribute except for, um, as I've mentioned, I lived in Montana for a couple of years, which isn't quite Pacific Northwest, but but similar. Um and in Montana, actually, the ponderosa pine is a state tree. Is that interesting to you or anybody? Crazy interesting. I know. Um, so I used to lead trail rides, and we would go by this uh, this giant ponderosa tree, probably two, two and a half feet in diameter. Um, and it went really close to the trail that we rode. And if you smell the bark, like one day when we go back, when I bring you to Montana, you'll, you'll be mm-hmm. able to smell it. When you smell the bark, it smells like vanilla. Hmm. <laughs> And it's the wildest thing. It's just like that. Um, and so I, I looked it up. I had never heard of this, but um, spruce gum. Yeah, it's like a, it comes from, it's basically gum from a spruce tree. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, it was largely chewed by Native Americans, um, early American pioneers, um, sold commercially in the 19th century. Um, in Yeah, so it's, it's a thing. But I think you're right. I, I think all he's saying is like, it's like what my dad always says: don't get too high, don't get too low. It's hard to say Your that. Dad somebody says that. My dad says that. I've I mean, he that. says that to me, and I have depression, so like, it's specious <laughs> advice at best. Oh yikes! <laughs> I feel like it's one of those that like. It's it's because I'm very loud, and if I'm very happy, I'm tend to be very loud. So I think it's my dad like telling me to shut up without <laughs> using those words because he knows I'll I'll yeah. react. <laughs> Oh, but yikes. but no, I mean I think that's honestly what he's looking for, right? Like, I, just, I uh, was just I was just off on a mental tangent of how about my dad? No, of oh. just well, like the idea that like that's always a thing in t- movie and TV of my dad always told me this, my mother always told me this, and I've lived by that. I never had any of those, and like I feel like most people have. Like there isn't a thing my mom always said, my dad always said. No. Uh, yeah. It's just, a, it's like a, it's a weird trope that is in no. movies all the time, but like. My dad has a lot of axioms like that, but they're not necessarily like, they're very <laughs> they're, literal. They're just stop talking to me. <laughs> they all just mean <laughs> stop talking to me. <laughs> right? Listen, imagine growing up with me as a daughter. It's a lot for yeah. any man to handle. You wouldn't know. You only live sure. with me. Um but but yeah no my dad had a lot of axioms but they tend to be very like literal. It's, 
Don't get too high. Don't get too low. This is one. Nothing good happens after midnight. Yeah. Another one. I think that used to be 2 a.m., but the older he gets, the earlier that time gets. <laughs> but they're all just... Nothing good happens after like 8, 45, <laughs> 9 o'clock. But no, he, he definitely likes axioms. Um, okay. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's just a thing that like makes your dad feel smart. It isn't, it isn't yeah. like genuine advice. It's just like... Yeah, this is a thing. I mean, it fills in the gaps. Yeah, that's fair. He doesn't have to listen to me when I talk. If he's just saying axioms. Hey, Dad, if you ever started listening to Twin Peaks, watching Twin Peaks and listening to this podcast, I love you. It's all in good fun. Yeah, but it turns out you're just being as cryptic as David Lynch. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I love David Lynch, so there we so... go. That's where we stand. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> all right, so we're going to kick off into TwinPeaks.Fandom.com slash wiki slash episode underscore what? Here we go. Um, this is a weird way to start this. Andy is on the phone in the hotel room where Cooper lies bleeding. Hey, TwinPeaks.Fandom.com, not a strong start because Andy is on the phone in the hotel room where Cooper lies bleeding implies that he is... Standing next to Cooper on the phone. <laughs> it's fair. Um, so Cooper is lying. So if we remember, but but the first thing you you don't even. The, I think the reason they say that is because it pulls in from behind the bed. You don't yeah. even see Cooper right away. You just hear Cooper. Yeah. Cooper. Agent Cooper. Agent Cooper. Yeah. Um. And so if you remember at the end of season one, um, Cooper gets shot three times in mm-hmm. in in the gut area. Um. He lies bleeding. He. You can see the three gunshots. Two have hit what are obviously his bulletproof vest and one closer to his waist is actually bleeding out um a waiter who oh my god they mentioned this too he had ordered a glass of warm milk, warm milk to help him sleep so that this is the way like this picks up exactly where you left off yes which is great i i love when shows do that you mm-hmm. don't you don't have this huge cliffhanger ending and then the next episode, you got to slowly I get Lost back on. Did that a lot to uh, us. Lost will give you three or four episodes before they get <laughs> get back into what the cliffhanger was. I hate it. <laughs> God, that, like so. I so we've been watching Lost as well, tangentially during the quarantine. And I had watched the the first three or four seasons of Lost and gave up. And now we're through five seasons. We're about to start six. And I thought we were about to start seven. My, there's only six seasons. So. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> but I find that show to just be more and more horrendous. And I am so grateful that the younger me was smart enough to realize, don't keep going with this. Um, well, I also, It's so bad. Here's so what I want to say. Not even my defense, but in explanation. When we started, when we started quarantine, Mike and I were like, let's watch a movie or a movie, a show, like start to finish. And then we came up with Lost because we'd kind yeah. of been toying well, with it. The- and Mikey was very much like, we're going to watch this whole yeah. fucking thing. And we I'm got committed. like halfway through the, the first is, season. I and com- you're like, Because I complain about how bad it got all the time. And I want to now be able to justify that. Sure. So I want to watch it all to be like, you know what? It didn't rectify or it didn't write the ship. Or maybe I was wrong. And then mm-hmm. it turned out to be a great show. And thus far. Thus far, that's not, not true. Wrong. Um, but anyway... That's a fun tangent. Okay, so Andy's in the hotel room where Cooper lies bleeding. A waiter. Uh, do you know anything about this actor, or does he have any like interesting backgrounds, or is he just Not a, that I'm a, aware of. an actor? No, he he appears again in the finale. Okay, um, so he's what seventies, early eighties ish. I have a really hard time getting off white age. I think he's playing older. Yeah. Yes, I think but so too. 
because he's he's clearly playing slow like and senile shuffling. a little bit and it's and we'll is it comprehensive of the things being said to him right um comprehending of the things that you, people said to him no 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 he's oh, okay. not being comprehensive okay that's that's fine oh i bet this is the episode that kyle mclaughlin listens to <laughs> <laughs> what up, Kyle? Sorry, David Lynch. We're doing our best. Uh, I'm the problem here is that I'm wine drunk on Pursued by Bear wine. Oh, we can because I love that. Yeah, and regularly we love it so much. You should just send us some, and we'll promote it. R- right, for sure. On your way. if it's you want like, your wine promoted on this record-setting podcast, we and I'm not exaggerating. Dozens of people have downloaded this podcast. Yeah, we've can, between the two of us, uh-huh. we've consumed eight bottles of Pursued by Wine in our lifetime. Pursued by no. Wine. <laughs> Actually, and and now that I think about it, it's at least nine or ten. Really? Yeah, because we ordered. We is doing a lot of work here because it was you. You helped. Well, I drank it. I didn't order shit. That's what I'm saying. I drink well, boxed wine yeah, like a lady. I'm, I'm just saying, Kyle, help us out. We need we need our pursued by wine. Can we just say I like it's... it I like calling it pursued by wine. And from here on out, I'm only calling it pursued by wine. And I'm gonna call it pursued by wine bear. Can we can we just say our show is sponsored by Pursued by a Bear? I, I'm on, and then, like, no, right, right. But we can't say it's sponsored by Pursued by Wine. <laughs> but if we say Pursued by a Bear and then send Kyle McLaughlin an invoice, like. <laughs> yes, I'm on board. Um, for those of you who don't know, Kyle McLaughlin owns a vineyard and uh, winery called Pursued by Bear. Mm-hmm. And it's which is very good. It is. It's very, very good wine. But I've had. It's rich shit. It's rich shit. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's. Most bottles are sixty dollars ish. Yeah. Um, Which it's not. It's not. It's the perfect high end wine. Like it's not rich. Like it's not two hundred dollars plus a bottle. Mm -hmm. But it's not twelve dollars a bottle. Yeah. Which even twelve dollars is more than I generally spend a bottle. Sure. Can't stress enough. Box wine, four dollars a bottle. Live that life. Okay, so Winner comes in whew, with a glass of milk and asks Cooper how he's doing. So Cooper is lying on the floor, feet to the door, um, and this old guy comes in with a silver tray with a little glass of, of warm mm-hmm. milk. And he, and milk the door will is get wide cool, open. Cool on you. And just, li- like, he might as well have seen Cooper in bed. He's like, oh, do you want me to put this? Yeah, it's. Here. And it's, what, probably five minutes, the scene? Oh, at least. And, and then he shuffling. and then he hangs up the phone and it's don't worry I hung You're it not. up for and you. And he says yes. Can you put no, when he comes in with the milk? Can you put it on the table and, and call, call a, doctor. a doctor? And so he walks over to the phone, picks it up, realizes there's somebody on it, hangs it up, like takes twenty five seconds yeah, to hang he, up the phone, like fumbles around with it oh, before God. it hangs up. The entire time you can hear Andy on the other end going, "Cooper, Agent Cooper, it's yeah, Agent Cooper." Like, and then he like walks away, and then he has Cooper sign for it, and bless Cooper's heart. I love it. I love I, it. From two lifetime servers, he goes, "Is there gratuity included?" And the guy goes. Yes. <laughs> like it's all, there's no rush for anything. Signs for it. You're Signs good for go. it. And then, did you call a doctor? I hung it up. <laughs> also, but did you call a doctor? I, I hung it up for you. 
Like, I don't, I don't understand like, that it's part. It's just two people talking past each it's, other. It, like, it almost sounds like it's two people speaking different languages trying to get at the same. I understand call. Yeah. That's a thing. Oh, no, phone, phone call. I hung it up. Don't worry. Yes, like, that's exactly it's, right. It's, it's like a so ling- it's like a lingua franca thing of like, well, neither of us speak Spanish, but we both speak some Spanish, so I don't let's, speak Dutch. Let's so let's speak do this. a little bit of Italian. Yeah. How about that? Like it's yeah, it's but just the whole and and the whole thing is there's Achingly three slow. seconds between each line exchange, even like with it, everything is just so slow and that it's everything is very very deliberate of the last episode was very 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 fast yeah yeah slow it down yeah and it's it's beautiful because again this is i don't know if we mentioned that but it's david lynch directed episode and lynch and frost wrote it lynch and frost both wrote it yes actually i think Teleplay is only credited to Mark Frost. I have written by David Lynch and Mark Frost. Okay. But I don't know if that's what um, it's like. David Lynch gets the created by credit. Sure. But also because David Lynch just creates shit on set all the time. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's a very, very well done. Like, when you watch these, and granted, we put a week in between watching the last episode and this one. Mm-hmm. If you watched it live, there was months in between. Mm-hmm. But if you're watching this just next episode, next episode, next episode, it's almost like he knew that that was a possibility in the future. It's, because watching the last episode, which I've done several times where I've watched end of season one, right up into season two, right. back to back like that. And it's it's a great like reset, it's reset, like slow it down. Break. Yes, slow it down. Slow it down. You don't need to be going this fast. And it's great. I love it. So the writing credits are Mark Frost got the teleplay, but Mark and Mark Frost and David Lynch both got story, story by credits. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then Lynch directed, so we can always assume that he, you know, yeah, spun his magic there. Um, waiter comes in with a glass of milk. Asks Cooper how he's doing. Cooper asks the waiter to put the milk on the table. Call the doctor. The senile waiter hangs up on Andy, and Cooper thanks him, believing he called the doctor. The waiter has Cooper sign the bill, which includes gratuity. He warns Cooper that the milk we got will cool. And then he leaves, comes back. Then, what, this is interesting because everything he does after this happens twice. He winks twice. Uh, he gives a thumbs up twice. He leaves, comes back, leaves, comes back. Everything he does happens twice. Lynch is into doppelgangers. Doppelgangers, and just doubles. Doubles. Just yeah, doubles. Yeah. And granted, yes. You say doppelganger, and the giant comes in dressing almost exactly like him. Which, which therein lies the potential doppelganger esque world there. But like everything is done in doubles at this point. Which, when the waiter first walked in, I knew the the giant was coming in. I forgot the whole waiter part. So when you see somebody with a bow tie, like an old bald white guy mm-hmm. who's pretty thin. When he walked to the corner, I was like, oh, okay, here's the giant. But no, it's it's the waiter. Like, yeah. they, they look very, you know, as similar as that, like two people who are two and a half Same-ish. I mean, it's the bow tie. It's, and granted, like the... Bald or balding. Yeah, just older gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, uh, Carol Stryker, Strucker, the mm-hmm. guy who plays the giant, um, is still working like we still see him and shit regularly so he's not that old if you like horror like psychological thriller movies and you like 
the giant whose <laughs> name is one more time Carol Strecker. Cool. Sounds good to me. Something um, like that. I've never actually heard it pronounced. Gerald's Game. Gerald James great. Extremely mm-hmm. good. And his cameo in it, like... A was, cameo. He's a... I don't, he's rem- a, I don't really remember a lot about he's it. He's a fairly prominent role. It's movies that... He I, plays that a lot. He's in Adam's Family. He he plays oh, the... Yeah. He's in uh, Men in Black. He's, he's a he's very tall guy man yeah. with very prominent feet. Like very, he's like six um, eleven or something yeah, like very that. He's very features, tall, and he plays those kind of roles a lot. And honestly, he's, so he's a really tall game. white guy. Yeah, um, but we met him when we went to the Twin Peaks mm-hmm. fest, and what I said to him, <laughs> what? And everybody's here from Twin Peaks right now. I was like, "Sir, I just saw Jerry's oh, game, and I couldn't sleep for a week." It's, and, goes, and that's true. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like we we watched Gerald's game. Not long before mm-hmm. Twin Peaks Fest, because mm-hmm. we went in 2018. Yeah, and that's not untrue. You, his, there's a there's a big reveal of him. Mm-hmm. There's one shot that's incredibly creepy, and you lost your mind. It, no, 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 not gonna, no, yeah. no, and yeah. we're like like Correct. you were on edge for at least a couple days. Yep. Yep, 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 um, yep, yep. But it wasn't, it didn't ruin me in the way that, like, Mother or Saving Private Ryan ruined me. It's, it's not, just, like. It's just, it was a creepy image. Very deep. And it's. Like, deeply scary. Yeah. And, and like, and I think, oh, God, this is going to be born in a second. But, like, one of the things I really like to talk to people about is, like, what reoccurring nightmares they have and things mm-hmm. like that. Because I'm always just curious of, like, what gets into, like, what is it that scares people. And for me, it is the. Every time I see a, a, a horror movie with somebody it's standing quiet. Shadowy in a figure in a corner where you can only see, like, their it eyes. It breaks me. Because yeah. that is my yeah. feel. Like, I'm very much afraid. I'm not as much anymore, but I used to be very much afraid of the dark. And, like, mm-hmm. was just... Sh- Last night, this was dumb. I went to bed and I was listening to, don't judge me, Edgar Allan Poe short <laughs> stories being okay. read aloud. Because I... Because that'll help you sleep. The rhythm is very soothing, but I listened to The Mask of the Red Death, and I was like, ooh, I've made a mistake in judgment here. <laughs> and I kept, I don't know if you heard wow. me, I kept turning over. No, I missed that, but yikes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Cooper has a vision of the giant. The man says he will tell Cooper three things. And, and uh, this is what's cool about this sequence, is that it's unclear if this is a vision or if this is reality, because he also makes acknowledgement that my ring is gone so by the end of this the, scene. The giant asks him for his ring. Right. He says he'll get it. You'll get it back when you when, when you, you find these three things to be true. Correct. The first thing I will tell you is there's a man in a smiling bag. Second thing is. The owls are not what they seem. The third thing is, without chemicals, he points. What do these things mean? This is all I'm permitted to say. Give me your ring. I will return it to you when you find these things to be true. Those three things are, there is a man in a smiling bag. The owls are not what they seem. Without chemicals, he points. Right. Which, that one I don't remember the resolution of. I do. I mean. Well, that's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Suckers. Mikey. 
I remember. I'm a 40 year old man. But even seen Twin Peaks 37 even the times. The owls are not what they seem is a very loose thing that doesn't have a direct resolution. Yeah, the, the man only in the smiling bag is very. Man in the smiling bag. Well, the man in the smiling bag you get in this episode, mm-hmm. which is helpful. Mm-hmm. The third clue or of the without chemical C points you get in a future episode, and it makes sense. The owls are not what they seem is very. It's, but. But that that phrase comes back to him literally. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's a good point. Um, So what that phrase means is not necessarily the clue, but the clue is that you're going to get that as a clue almost. And then he also says at the end of it, oh, one more thing and gives him a fourth clue. Yes. Which is... I'm going to go ahead and... Leo is... Read this. Okay. He asks Cooper to give him his ring. He says he'll return it when Cooper finds these three, three things to be true. The giant says... The giant also says, Leo... Locked inside Hungry Horse. There's a clue locked inside Leo's house is what they're... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, that's the end of that scene. And then he just disappears. Like, you don't see him enter. You don't see him... He literally dissolves in Mm -hmm. and dissolves Mm -hmm. out. In that really great 1990s way of, like, everything seems extremely still. And just, like, he becomes more and more transparent. Um, okay, that was one paragraph. Don't get it twisted. It was five full minutes of television that we watched there. Oh, um, uh, if you're including all the giant stuff too, that's that's More probably minutes. eleven or twelve minutes. Well, good news, we're already twenty-four minutes in yeah, this episode. I, Have we said anything good or interesting yet? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, so we Wine cut drunk. to one. <laughs> we cut to one-eyed jacks, which is, I think, for my money, I would say this stuff with Audrey and one-eyed Jack. Well, we don't get into Aud- oh, oh, that part. Worst. That's that part's first. I forgot. These are incredibly awkward and oh uncomfortable. Oh my god, it's the worst. That was our <laughs> that was our dishwasher. Oh. It sounded like it came from over there. <laughs> oh well, that's what wine does to you. Ruins your ears. Oh, can go top off that wine. Cool. Um, at one- <laughs> oh yes, at one-eyed Jack's, Ben tries to get in Audrey's clothes bed. So, uh, so if you remember, Audrey is going in quote-unquote undercover on her own behest uh, to try to figure out what's going on with, like, how did Laura connect, how did Laura's death connect to whatever's going on at one Jacks? Via Horn's department store. Right. And and so she gets herself brought into this, what's a brothel, and mm-hmm. ostensibly a sex trafficking ring, mm-hmm. really. Um, and so... And, and you remember the end of the, the season one finale, Ben Horn owner of one eye jacks walks in and says like i'm here to basically screw the new girl yeah i mean that oh god it's it really gives me the which is what i what I, the one thing i do like about this sequence is i feel like the they wrote this season finale in that storyline of let's have ben walk in he'll be in the room audrey's on the bed that's our cliffhanger. We got all summer to figure out how to get out of it. Which I, I don't think they had an out written. You don't think? I mean, because the easy out is he walks in, is about to open the curtains, and somebody says, Ben, like, we need you for something. But which like, sort of happens. But, but they write the whole thing with the face mask, that's, and that's all of that stuff is brilliant. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, they did have an easy out of like, oh, he almost gets to the bed, and then he gets called out. I keep and they meaning, chose to, I like, keep meaning to look... And see if those masks are actually on the wall in season one. Oh, yeah. Or if those were added in season two. Yeah, that's a good thing to look out for. Um, so Ben tries to get in Audrey's clothes bed. So she, they've got uh, the curtains around <laughs> She's the like bed. slapping his hand. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he's like, ooh. 
Oh, it's so gross. Yeah, um, the really long cigar. Oh my yeah. god! And it's a it's little all cigar. It's not his cre- penis. It's all just very creepy. Oh, it's terrible. Um, uh, so Ben's trying to get in Audrey's bed, not knowing that it's Audrey, believing that she's playing hard to get. Um, that whole scene is the fucking. Oh my god, I hate it. Well, it's so it's much. it's not only the father daughter stuff. It's this. Shitty, rapey. Oh, totally. Very oh, the plate hard to get. Oh, that just. Fuck, oh, it's terrible. fuck you and your hard to get shit. That ain't a thing. Mm-hmm. That's a. That's a. I want to fuck. Fuck you. You don't want to fuck me. I'm gonna rape you. Yeah. Like it's hard to get. Wink. Yeah, that's a that's a shitty way around that, and I hate that idea. But like all of this, this whole like, it's very well done. Mm-hmm. I I like that it's in here. It really puts the stakes mm-hmm. where they need to be. It's it's just so fucking uncomfortable to watch. It's so uncomfortable, and it's so, like, it's terrifyingly realistic of her not saying, no, don't have sex yeah. with me, but giving every indication of, like, and no, 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 like, I don't want what's to. What's even creepier is she's putting on a false voice to not... Which isn't that difference. She has a very distinctive voice. Right, which, well, but, like, to not sound like herself. But her voice is... Sweet little innocent mm-hmm. girl, which is even creepier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's this like, oh, you're just like violating this like very innocent. It's 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 rough. Well, it's definitely to me. Uh, yes, and it's a peak I think inside Van Horn, and also like the shit obviously happens very frequently in real life, oh, like yeah. Jeffrey Epstein for sure. Of Oh, it's not just these are the girls we can get and they happen to be young. It's I am into this young person playing hard to get. And he doesn't know how old she is. She doesn't ask. Doesn't care. Doesn't ask Blackie. Um, anyway, oh, it's just genuinely odd. Like, my palms are sweating just thinking that. It's not good. But, uh, but, but we say that in a way. It's supposed to be. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, this, this isn't just like, oh, this, this is 2020 problematic. No. This is... It's. It was supposed to be fucking uncomfortable it's not like in 1992. Of like, oh, they heroes. Yeah, are like, exactly. Yeah. It's. It's. It's supposed to be incredibly uncomfortable. Um. So uh, Jerry, who's Ben's younger brother. Oh, I hope I'm. Uh, I think people get the characters by now, right? I don't have. To I hope read. so. So Jerry's Ben's younger brother. This He's, is the interaction with him and Blackie. Yeah. I don't like this. I okay. This is this is where they, didn't they set in, this up, did they? No, they did not. This is a new thing to set up because because now they set into season two with potential storylines. So now they're setting up new storylines. Well, and they're staring so the in the new face stari- of how many episodes for What's the that? season? They're staring in the face of how many episodes this season? Oh yeah. So they have to. But like, they're setting up this whole through line with that in that um, requires Blackie to be a heroin addict. Yeah. Which there was no indication no, of that no, no, earlier, no. and it it feels shoehorned in, and especially since it's they don't introduce heroin, and then she gets to these. She's just all of a sudden incredibly and within withdrawal. Why are you holding out on me? Yeah. What's going on? And it's just like, wait, what? Yeah, no, it's that, not great. That's a struggle. Oh, interesting. Um, uh, update, Michael. This episode aired the day before my fifth birthday, September thirtieth, nineteen ninety. Yep. But there are, so there's 22 episodes of now this season. Now everybody knows Jess's birthday. 
Yeah. What? what you, so now you can send, send me a birthday 30, cards. A 35th birthday present this this year. Yes, please. Um, Christ. So Mikey doesn't have to. But <laughs> no, he's a very good gift giver. But so I just just to give it into context, and not that I've ever been a showrunner or anything, but season one was eight episodes, so it's very easy to lay out your you mm-hmm. know what you want to happen, and you have to fill in time. Yes, but. 22 episodes and I think this is again well, not to pull this back to Lost all the time but like 22 episodes are is so well, much television and you can tell too fill. because they they set up nine great episodes mm-hmm. in season two yep. they had the storyline and stuff to make good episodes it's after that point and they didn't have a chance to regroup there's no Long term break or hiatus where they split the season or something. Because even if you do a 22 episode season, that's like that's been a big thing. Like Walking Dead, I know, did that a lot where they would have 10 episodes or whatever it is. Then they'd take a break for six weeks. Then they'd do 10 more or whatever. Well, what they I don't rem- do any of that. What with I remember this. in 06 or so that, um, that Lost was the first show to do, and I think now all shows do this. of they used to do, okay, you do two, three episodes and have a week off, and then four more episodes and have mm-hmm. two weeks off. Now they do 12 episodes and then six weeks off or whatever, yeah. Like, which I think is a much better way to tell a story. Well, and you, you, you allow time to reshoot things yeah. and write new stuff. What's working, what's not, right. you can assess that and... Instead of being, oh, well, we pitch and we shoehorn this storyline in, and then yeah. now we're stuck in this storyline and nobody likes it. How do we get out of it? Yeah. You avoid all that. But I I would like to, if we can, okay. avoid. Because I, I think the first, whatever, eight, nine, ten episodes of season two are great. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this happens and we're doing it now. And it happens in every podcast I've heard and things like that where. We keep ta- we keep justifying this episode within season two. Do you know what I mean? Like this is this episode's good, even though it's in season two, which is bad. Which really and truly, well, and that's there's nice. only four to six episodes of season two that are bad. Four of those six episodes are really bad. But I think what I but everyone that's all everyone remembers. But that's what I think. What I tried to tee, tee up is I remember season two being overall bad. But like yeah. this was a very good episode. We do have a lot of and that's I mean we haven't even seen David Lynch come in spoilers come in as as his uh, right. What's his name? Gordon Cole. Gordon Cole. I had Gary Cooper and I knew that wasn't right, <laughs> but I was doing my best. But yeah, but yeah, but that's the point. Like there's there is. It's not even like, oh, there's some great moments in season two. It's season two is really good mm-hmm. until until it's not. And then when it's not, it falls off hard. Yes. Is the problem. Deeply bad. Yeah. It it really jumps the shark, but then get, but then finds the boat again or whatever mm-hmm. and gets back on for the last three or four episodes, which are great. I was just watching Community and somebody said jump the shark and Trey goes did you know there was an episode of Happy Days where somebody literally jumped a shark and it was the best one? Community is the best show. Um, so uh, Jerry asks Blackie what room Ben is. Blackie asks why Ben is holding out on her and Jerry gives her heroin. Audrey puts on a mask before her father enters her bed and then before everything gets the worst thing that I've ever seen, uh, Jerry calls Ben away. So that's the other thing too, though. I wish they had a better reason because Jerry's like, hey, 
you got to come out here. We hit a snag. We, we hit S-N-A-G. a S-N-A-G. Like, Is that a Lynch thing to spell things out? Maybe. we had Probably. lights my F-I-R-E, too. Yeah. But I don't think we ever really hear what that huge problem is where he had to pull Ben away. No, but I mean... We certainly don't in this episode. I end, don't think we do in the future. The end of it is I don't have to watch a man right, realize right. that he's but trying to I fuck his like daughter. But I feel like good writing would have... Created oh. some realistic emergency. I'll call Mark Frost and tell him that you have some notes for him. Yeah. Boop, 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 <laughs> Hey, Mark, it's me, Jess. Yeah. Close personal Because you, you guys are best friends. Remember how... Yep. Yeah. Me too. Okay. That was my favorite time. Okay. <laughs> um, Cooper is still lying bleeding on the floor. He calls her Diane. We're at the third scene. And wait for it, 35 minutes into this yeah. episode. We... He, he well he reach he does the voice activation thing which we learned is a feature on that recorder which is kind of nice. Did we? Because he sets yes, it up for Waldo. Waldo. Which is like I like when things like that don't don't sound like a, oh well I let's just write it so that is tape recorder mm-hmm. figures this out. like they establish that the, it's voice activated with the Waldo thing. And I wonder if that's happenstance or if they're like ooh this will probably come in handy later if we set this up with the bird. I don't I mean. Lynch is great at just leaving breadcrumbs everywhere yeah. so that he can pick them up later if he needs to, or it's just like, this is a weird thing I'm going to leave out there. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think, I think it was, it was, it's just nice to see that a unique scenario that gets you out of a thing mm-hmm. was set up mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah. Um, so he calls for Diane. He, he says he'd been wearing his bulletproof vest as per FBI guidelines but he had folded it up to get a wood tick. Mm-hmm. Um, then he says, quote, being shot isn't so bad as long as you can keep the fear from your mind. Great line. All things considered, being shot is not as bad as I always thought it might be. As long as you can keep the fear from your mind. <laughs> I guess you could say that about most anything in life. Not so bad as long as you can keep the fear from your mind. Um, I actually had a conversation with uh, James Grixoni the other day, who is Deputy Jesse from season three. When did you on to Facebook? Him? On Facebook Messenger? about like he said something. Ab- I don't remember what he said, but he said something on Facebook about like the stress, and I just I need to somehow block it all out, and so I like sent him that GIF of like. Cooper just mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. it's fine everything's okay as long as you can keep the fear from your mind and he went back and he's like a guy always knows the right thing to say and it was just like a fun conversation I had back and forth with James so this guy, from and uh, I think our various stories of meeting cast members in this context this one was pretty fucking well actually let's talk about this when we when we meet the sure. his character yeah um but, which is quite a way yeah, ways yeah. down the road but so we'll talk to you guys in like a year about it yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> So um, his he realizes his ring is missing from his finger. He lists his his ambitions. The only one I remember is having sex with a woman he's attracted to, and I was like, "Who, boy, buddy?" Well, like I I want to make love with a woman I'm gen- I have genuine affection for. Uh, what do you he, think he, that's like? Well, and he wants to go on a shit. I don't remember what the things. Well, were. he wants to go to whatever it was. Not too cool. I want this. Not too this. 
I don't remember what all the things were, but oh, he's it's something not too face for some reason. Well, yeah, uh, but it was it's a great yeah. We'll play, I'll draw, we can I'll play that in, bit. Yeah. I would like in general to treat people with much more care and respect. I would like to climb a tall hill, not too tall. Sit in the cool grass, not too cool, and feel the sun on my face. I wish I could have cracked a Lindbergh kidnapping case. I would very much like to make love to a beautiful woman who I had genuine affection for. And of course, it goes without saying that I would like to visit Tibet. Um. But he specifically notes that um, his ring is missing his, from his finger, so right. we know it's something not, physically happened. He it's not just a vision. Yeah. Um, finally, the officers arrive, guns drawn. Not sure who called them. Uh, I have to think I, somebody heard a gun. They shot. don't see, but it's presumably they don't say. And, they don't say, but well, you don't see what how or there's no scene of it. They or don't say, we don't see. But we presumably Andy is on the phone. He gets hung up all of a sudden after a oh, long call sure, of dead sure, air. Sure. Hey, we should go check on Cooper. This is weird. Sure. So uh, Andy, Hawk, and Truman all show up. Yeah. Um. So uh, Ho- Cooper arrives in the hospital. Um, Awakes in the hospital. I don't know about arrives. He's okay. This is this is this paragraph. No, and we're gonna di- no no. no okay. I'm just gonna. Okay. I'm not like mad at you. Are we fighting? <laughs> Thank you. Are we in a fight? Oh, oh no. Uh, Cooper. This is this paragraph. Cooper. Cooper comes into the hospital. The wood tick had been found on one of his bullets, and Cooper says the gunman's face had been masked. Lucy updates him on the events of the previous night, and he insists on leaving the hospital against Doctor Doc Hayward's wishes. That is this a is, lot. That's a that's dense a lot, paragraph. And, and it's a great scene that you're glossing over the greatness of. Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll he, definitely drop that He in. comes to with, like, what's going on? What did I miss? And Lucy rattles off everything that happened in season one finale. Lucy, you better bring Agent Cooper up to date. Leo Johnson was shot. Jacques Renault was strangled. The mill burned. Shelly and Pete got smoke inhalation. Catherine and Josie are missing. Nadine is in a coma from taking sleeping pills. How long have I been out? Like, and it's a lot. It's, yeah, like, and it makes you realize like how much really happened. It's this, per- like, all these people are in the hospital. This person's dead. This person's dead. This person's this. This, like, mm-hmm. everything in these. How long was I out? And you know I love a good exposition device, and this is such a good one. It's, it's they a did gr- it well, well in the Tibetan rock throwing well, thing. Well, and it's a, it's also it's a great like, it's a little bit meta in that they're kind of making fun of themselves. Mm-hmm. Of like, I know we had to pack all like like the beginning of this episode is really really slow and drawn out because it's like let's slow you down and get you back on our page as the creators how we want it to be. But remember all that shit that happened in the season finale? There was a lot. Mm-hmm. It was too much. That's not how this show is going to be. We're gonna we're which, writing the ship. We're correcting course. Which also echo, echoes back to the log ladies thing of like, hey, a lot happened last yeah. time. We're gonna take we're it easy. Happy That's fine. That's fine. Let's slow it down. 
and let's these all all these things happened. That's crazy, but we're gonna we're gonna approach it a little bit. So and okay, instead of instead of Cooper popping up and being like, "Let's go get him," uh-huh. it's cool. Give me two hours to put my clothes back on. Like everything is, we're gonna go at it and we're gonna do it well, but we're also going to do it we're, slowly. We're just slamming on Slow our brakes all down. over the place. That's, this the the overarching like theme of this episode is slow down. Yes, I think that's exact. And it sort of works that it's a feature length episode instead of a, yeah. a forty minute episode. Yeah, that it, like, it all right, feels we're gonna drawn out. Yeah. It's supposed to. It breathes. Like, like, ev- like everyone, because everyone thought it was building up to who killed Laura Palmer, mm-hmm. and the fact that we didn't know at the end of season one. Do you think people can hear me open my box of wine because I'm almost out of wine? I don't know. Okay. Uh, they can now. <laughs> Wait. Um, okay. At the, the bed. End, Don't worry, guys. It ends at the end of season one. Like it just, it all, it just keeps getting faster and faster and faster and faster. And that's never what they set out to do. Right. So, like, let's go back to the show we wanted to make. Yeah. And slow it all. Down. Do you think it's by virtue of the fact that Lynch is more of a, a film director than a TV director, and he's not used to having to like pace out and have somebody else kind of dictate the length probably what he because I, I said in the last episode it must be there's there's a really great and i'll see if we can find this on youtube and maybe put a link in um it's uh a bonus feature of him directing in season three of somebody being like oh but, but we can't do that because that'll take too long and he just snaps and like i don't fucking care how long really? a scene is are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, he just breaks with, like, this great moment of, like, why are you telling me that? That has nothing to do with anything. I don't fucking care how long a scene is. What is this with everybody? No, 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 no. What is it? It's really? Only me. It's why? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm serious. Fucking A, man. It drives me nuts. Who gives a fucking shit how long a scene is? Well, and especially and especially because now he's on Showtime. He has pretty much free reign. Sure. So he doesn't have episode lengths he needs to hold to. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have commercial breaks. And he sounds like he got the number of episodes that he wanted to get. And Yeah, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it took a Which, year, but yes, it, in negotiations or whatever. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's very much... I don't remember what your original question was now. Nobody knows for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, basically like... He he likes to settle into things. He likes to live in things and live in this. Like, if he could just do one scene for a really, really long time, he probably would. Mm-hmm. Like, he likes to just settle in and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Which also, he which you'll notice too, if you take, I think... Throughout this one and season one and two, he directs four, maybe five episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. Around. And all of those episodes, it's it's almost like he didn't watch the other episodes because <laughs> he's like, "You haven't brought in. Well, what about the log lady? She was in all my episodes. I liked her. Let's bring her back. Oh, what about this? Like, bring that back. Yeah. Like, it's almost like he forgot about everybody else's stuff because he didn't care." And so he only brings in his own stuff. Um, he directed six episodes. Six, okay. So, well, uh, let me look. So it's the pilot, episode three, or two, depending. 
and how you okay, acknowledge this says it. only episodes 1.3 that says it's the only episode in the first season he so that's well he directed the pilot so that that's not showing the pilot he directed 1.3 which is zen and this skill to catch mm-hmm. the rock throwing and all that uh that's all he directed in season one and then in season two he directed this episode the pilot and episode eight or nine uh, just really quick, I was Googling what episodes of Twin Peaks did David Lynch direct, and guess what? What episodes of Twin Peaks autofills to? I have no idea. To skip. <laughs> oh, yikes. Yeah. Uh, there's there's legitimacy. Bookmark that. <laughs> um, I, is it six? That seems high to me. Um, okay, according to this. Oh, so he directed... He directed the pilot. First. It depends on. Do they call the pilot one or two episodes? Okay, I don't so now I'm on Wikipedia. So I have the first episode, the pilot, uh, Zen, Zen, or the Skilled sure. Catch Killer. That's the. Um, that's two. That's two. those. Those are the two he directed season one. I know okay, that. Okay, this one. This this one. Uh, see, uh, next episode, David. Oh, he did one. do the second, the next one. Okay, and um, then it's then it's episode nine, and then it's the finale. Uh, so six, seven. Oh, is it seven? Mm-hmm. That's right. Seven is the one he directed, and then there's two more good episodes after that, and then it falls off a cliff. And then the finale episode And then the 22. finale. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, but there's a through line. The, the characters who come... Sarah Palmer is heavy in this episode again, mm-hmm. which we haven't seen her in a long time. Right. Um, Leland Palmer is heavy in this episode again. We haven't seen him in a while. Like, he... Log Lady makes an appearance again. We haven't seen her since like the fourth episode when she, that mm-hmm. big episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff he starts bringing back that yeah. he likes that other people aren't doing justice to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like this this sort of image of him kind of coming back once in a while to sort of right the ship and yeah. like get it back on course and mm-hmm. then like let you guys fuck it up a little bit and then I'll bring it back. Yeah, and um, then and then during the the really bad streak of Twin Peaks is when he was off doing well at heart. Mm. So he just wasn't around for it. Right. Um, so we cut to Shelly's room who is in the hospital because of smoke inhalation. Like half of our cast is in the hospital for one reason or another. So Oops. Catherine is missing. Shelly and Pete were recovered from the, the mill fire. Both with smoke inhalation. Right. We've got, I guess we should go through whatever Lucy said. I don't know if I know them all the top of my head. Those are those two. Shelly, uh, Shelly, smoke inhalation. Catherine is missing. Catherine's missing. Nadine is in a coma. Mm-hmm. Jacques. Jacques is dead. Jacques Torres is dead. Nope. Jacques, Jacques Torres is the guy from Nailed It. Okay. He's a, paste, a French pastry chef. Yep. Jacques Renault is dead. Uh, Jacques Torres is doing great. He's a doll. That's good. That's good to hear. Um, and then is that it? Um, Obviously Coop. Leo Johnson has been shot. He's been is shot in a, a coma. Nadine is in a coma. I think that covers it, and if not, we'll probably I'll play the audio. So yeah, I think I think that is yeah everyone. Okay, um, so we had to Shelly uh, on the television. Shelly's room. Somebody report. Apparently, she has a name. Cyril Pons reports on the fire yeah. at the sawmill. That's, that's the Mark Frost cameo. Oh, him. Sorry, he's I forgot. The, Cyril is a yeah. Cyril Pons. He's also makes an appearance in he's season such three. A baby, how old was he? Mark Frost. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's probably late twenties, early thirties at this point. Could you imagine being that smart to be successful <laughs> in your twenties? I mean, he, he was success, successful before that. He was doing like Hill Street Blues and shit. Yeah, 
Yeah, me too. Um, um, you were doing you too. You were doing yeah. Hill um, I had really successful twenties. I waited tables for a while, leased apartments. I got paid twelve dollars an hour to do some terrible jobs. So, were you, did you do anything on Hill Street Blues or? Yeah, I thought that's I what you meant was, by me too. Oh no, no, no! I just meant that we have a really similar trajectory. Oh uh, yeah, 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 sure. Um, so if you get paid twelve dollars an hour to get yelled at by people on the phone, then you're basically me, which is basically Mark Frost. So <laughs> yeah, that's legit. Uh, yeah, so it was just like a, a stupid cameo of his yeah. to be the news reporter. So he Sarah reports Pons. on the the fire at the sawmill. Shilly lies in the hospital bed on a respirator. Jacques Renault's uh, corpse is wheeled in front of Cooper. And Cooper meaning like, <laughs> is that Beck smiling? And everyone's like, and people have, are so used to him just saying weird shit. They're like, I don't think so, Coops. Me, and meanwhile, like the best is that delivery. And then. Uh, Kimmy Roberts and um, Lucy's delivery because she's still mad at Andy of like what's there to be smiling about me oh my god like, she's it's so so sulky. adorable I love it oh, I, I love it I love it oh uh, really it's not my favorite Lucy bit oh I love it I, I don't like hilarious. how sulky she gets I like when she's earnest and doing her best to try to help people and not good at it I'm gonna plug my laptop I, well in. I like that like it seems genuine to me I feel like this is a person who wears a heart on her sleeve, and yeah. she's upset because she told Andy that she's pregnant, and Andy just rose up, freaked out, and left. Yeah, and she's no, like, "This right. is bullshit," and it, I'm mad about it. it. And instead of being mad, she's just like, "Man, I'm I'm what's there to be happy about?" Man, like, because that's just who she is. Like, yeah. she can't really be mad. Yeah, but she's mad. Like, yeah. that's how she displays mad, and I love that about it. Um. Ronette Pulaski is still in her coma. So Ronette Pulaski, um, we haven't heard from too much recently. Again, somebody David Lynch brought back because, like, you guys forgot about this huge fucking character. So she was would have been the second um, second murder when Laura Palmer was killed, but thankfully she she's been in and out of a coma because she's been awake enough to like talk a little bit, but is also talk or was she just sort of mumbling in her sleep? Well, they they brought like when they either pilot or episode one. They brought her, like, can I talk to her? And they talked to her briefly during okay. that scene. Um, so Ronette Stur... Oh my, we have so much of this episode to go. This is going to be a very long episode. And so, I'm out of wine. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, Ronette Pulaski... Not, a full class. <laughs> stirs in her coma. Maddie uh, drinks... So Maddie is uh, Laura Palmer's cousin, played by the same actress, drinks coffee at the Palmer's house. And talks to Sarah, her aunt, Laura's mother, about a dream she had about the rug. And she keeps staring at the rug because she saw blood there. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, like, do it. <laughs> I really like the this The overlay. Part. Yeah. And it looked, it reminded me so much of, like, using MS Paint in junior high. Like, mm-hmm. like that's what we're this doing. the blood stain on the carpet. Yeah. But then Leland pops in. And this and is the first Leland time you see him. Leland comes in, starts singing. His hair is stark white. And he's in an entirely different personality he's singing and he's, and he's seemingly singing. like joyous and Wait, happy can and you do his little song i'd rather not mares you don't and does you yeah. some little lambs you nivy kittle you nivy do bunder sure <laughs> i mean did i have a stroke <laughs> I, I think you might have. They slow the song down and and lay it out so that those were instead of biddle doop a doop or whatever that was. But I'm not a singer, so I didn't choose to sing. 
brag. But yes, but that's I used the to song. sing in a bar, and I get paid on average twelve dollars yeah. a night. So. so, but that was the song he sang. Yes, but he's so he's singing and he's happy and he's carefree, seemingly. Yeah, he's also very and, cheerful, but also has bright white hair, which turned white overnight. And he's they're like, what happened? He's like, but I don't know. Yeah, and this is all after he killed fucking uh, Jacques Renault. Forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, he smothered So he murders Jacques Renault, and it seems like that was some type of, like, stress catalyst that yeah, yeah. put him into this new stage of grief or mm-hmm. depression or shock or PTSD or whatever it yeah. is that put him into this new realm. Yeah. Boy needs therapy. Oh, for sure. Um. And then we are coming up to, I think, maybe your favorite scene of this episode. Uh, ben and Jerry are just dis- just discussing the general pill- pillfalls. Yeah. That's not it. Pitfalls. Pitfalls of their plans. And all of a sudden, Leland bursts in. So they're in their, their huge office in the Great Northern. And it's, I was gonna say it's almost as big as, like, our all living room, shot in like one super wide. Almost like security cam footage yeah. shot of yeah. like it's in the top corner. It's as far back as you can go. Yeah. Let's get the entire room in this shot. Is it all one take too? No. There's a couple of cuts early. Cuts? Okay. But once he busts in and there's a close-up of him, he says, I'm back and I'm ready. Okay. And then they cut back when he starts singing and dancing. And, and it's the levels in this shot. So Ben Horn jumps up on the desk. So and he starts singing yeah. and everybody joins in. And just immediately like, like, okay, yeah, this is what we're doing this now. This is the vibe. Ben Horn jumps on his desk. He's like tap dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Jerry. Jerry jumps off like the third step that goes up to the door. And does this thing. like huge diving leap onto the floor and then starts doing the worm and... It, and and then, they're just all dancing. Yeah. And, and so you see them all, as Mikey said. So Ben is to our right. He's up on the on the desk. Uh, Jerry's all the way down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Leland is center, three but he's steps three steps up. Yeah, and so it's... and they're all just living their own happy yeah. life. It's and it's so wonderful, bizarre, and it's and it's unprovoked, seemingly. Yeah, it's just so. This is. These are the nuggets of what I love about Twin Peaks. These moments that are just like, what the fuck is going on here? Mm-hmm. But it all seems so genuine and honest. Yeah, because it doesn't seem silly and random. Well, we know we're dealing with with Leland's mental breakdown because we watched that all of season one. Mm-hmm. And we know Ben and Jerry are both kind of scumbag. Not kind mm-hmm. of. They're both scumbags. And like Jerry's worst, a weasel. The bo- Ben is a like scumbag. Capitalist types. Yeah. Um, and so. Th- and Jerry's just a coattail rider. I, Absolutely. Yeah. I yes, don't think he's, he's as he's bad. He's going I, where the wind blows. Yeah. But. And it's what's interesting too. And I just realized this. So you have two scenes back to back. And both times. Um, um, Leland busts into a room. That had a completely different tone going. Mm-hmm. And he sings, and he and sings changes. to. Well, not even I, I wouldn't even say that. Just like he sings to first his wife and niece, mm-hmm. and they're like, "What the fuck are you doing? What is with your hair? What is going on?" Are I love okay? that. Like the cap on the end of that scene is like that all happens, and then he leaves, and then just Maddie just looks over and goes, "Uncle Leland's hair turned white." Yeah. Like, 
But what the fuck just happened? They're befuddled. They're thrown yeah. back. They're they're shocked. And then they, he literally repeats the same scene mm-hmm. with these two sociopaths. <laughs> and they're like, fuck yeah, we're dancing. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's, it's just, it, it shows you who is affected by the tragedies of And death. how, and yeah, it's yeah, it's incredible. But it's, it's just a great, very short sequence that shows you so much about these people. It's one of those things that I could watch five times in a row because there's so much to look at. And it's like Jerry's dive into the worm very is good. legitimately cool. It hurt my wrist. Yeah. Like, and like it's, he dives off the second or the third step, so that's three feet or so into the air. He dives, yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's dropping a good six feet, yeah, onto his hands, and then just like turns that right into the war. It's and just wonderful. And it's not like he's like sixteen and his bones are made of rubber still. Yeah. Like he's in his thirties or forties. That's very impressive. Because yeah, I used to be able to do the worm and then I turned twenty four and shit changed. Yeah. yeah. Um so okay. Um so Hank oh no I'm sorry. I skipped ahead. The officers inspect Leo's home Cooper analyzes the living room while Hawk finds Leo's duster in the truck. I think this is another one of your favorite things that um, that uh, 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 Truman keeps saying. Like, oh, that, what, what about Shelly? So yeah, so he like looks around. He's like, so someone was someone was here. They were thrown against the TV. Oh, do you think it was? And then Truman's like, oh, you think it was Shelly? No, this Shelly's ninety nine pounds soaking wet. This this person was larger. This is a heavy TV. It moved back pretty hard. But then. That person popped. Somebody shot Leo through the window here, and Leo go. Oh, do you think Shelley was the shooter? He's <laughs> like, 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 just like stuck for a fucking like, second. Like, like Truman. Can you fucking chill? Can you chill with the fucking Shelley? It's not Shelley. It's not Shelley. Shelley has nothing to do with this. It's fine. Forget about Shelley for a minute. And he was just like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, my bad. Like, like <laughs> listen, Truman. We all know she's gorgeous. We all want her to be in this show more. <laughs> like, she's gorgeous like, and talented, and like, yes, perfect, it's and an angel like on earth. They're married, and I get why you're going there. But Shelley is not involved in this. We all know she was tied up in the mill. And like, listen, like. It's Again, so as a true crime person, it's always the husband. The flip side, it's probably the wife. But listen. No, it's it not. It is not the <laughs> wife. Yeah. It was just like the delivery of like, give me a second. It's not Shelly. Stop with the Shelly. Okay? I. It's just so real. Here's the thing. Part of me almost wonders if that was a direct reference to the SNL bit. <gasps> No, I don't think Lynch so, is that. I really took a roller coaster yeah. with that. I don't think Lynch is that tapped in. I don't think Lynch would. I don't. But I Lynch think Mark Frost is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm listening. So I we mentioned this in an earlier episode um, during the break between season one and season two. Kyle MacLachlan hosted the season premiere of Twin Peaks, or of uh, <laughs> Kyle MacLachlan hosted the season premiere of SNL, uh-huh. <laughs> and it actually the very first sketch of the night was a, a, a long Twin Peaks sketch. Um, uh, interestingly enough, was um, Chris Farley's first SNL sketch. Oh, he played yeah. Leo, uh, but during which pitch perfect. Oh, casting. it was great. He, but um, Kyle MacLachlan's monologue did a whole bit about, oh, I'm going to do an audience Q&A, and they ask him a few questions, and then someone was like, so who killed Laura Palmer? Oh, it was Shelly the waitress. And then he pulls back, and 
jokingly David Lynch is right, whatever. Yeah, we talked about it. But he joked about it being Shelly, and I almost wonder if this was a direct correlation to that bit Mm -hmm. of being not only is it not Shelly, stop talking about Mm Shelly. It's not Shelly. And I honestly wonder if that was in consideration when Mark Frost wrote this. Um, so they're inspecting uh, Leo and Shelley's home. Hawk found Leo's duster in the truck, noticed that it smells like smells gasoline. Smells like gas, yeah. And then Albert arrives. Albert. Mikey's favorite. I love it. Um, so Albert, um, we haven't seen him in a few episodes. He uh, is a uh, co-worker of, uh, of Cooper's. From yeah, the he, East Coast, he's Philly, like a forensics guy. Yeah. yeah, which I forgot. He's like a medical, like a forensic pathologist. Because at one point he was like giving Cooper a checkup. I was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> Do you just carry a stethoscope with you?" Well, and he's like checking to see, and then he tells him at the end, like, mm-hmm. "You were shot someone who was five six to yeah. five ten, so good at waist range, like whatever, three feet apart, mm-hmm. something." But he comes in, and then um, uh, I love it. Andy does his. Like freaks freaks out, like he's terrified, and he keeps calling him Albert Rosenflower. It's Albert Rosenflower, Albert oh Rosenflower, which and I think is just Rosenfeld, Rosenfield, Rosenfield. Uh, but it's just Rosenflower. It's Rosenflower, which is just a great little stupid. And then bit. he full on Looney Tunes himself. <laughs> he stuffs and it's wonderful. It, he, I don't care. He, I don't care that it's so absurd. Thing, Michael. He steps on the end of a plank and it like sideshow bobs him in the face. (laughs) Yeah. And first of all, this is, I don't remember this happening. And when it comes up, you can just see the nails because he's on the porch, on the Uh outside porch. And I was like, is he going to get like fucking nails in the face? It was very scary for me for a second. But he like thonks himself in the face. And then for five to 12 minutes. With the whitest bow legged like. Stumbles. Like you can see the fl- the birds fl- yeah. fluttering around his head. It's, it's such a Looney Tunes moment. It's hysterical. And they, there's a there's one or two cutbacks to Albert who's just like, oh for fuck's sake. And you can I, I what I like about <laughs> what I like about Albert's character's journey is that I think he really showed up like it's gonna be different because if you remember last time he showed up, he's just a dick and he's very hard ha- heavy handed. He doesn't have time for anybody's emotions. Cooper gives him the what for about that. And he's like, you have to fucking deal with this and, like, get on their level. And so, in my head anyway, he gets out of this car like, all right, like, like, I'm giving them a blank slate. (laughs) And immediately. We're all cops. We're all doing our best. And immediately the dumbest goddamn thing happens. (laughs) And he's just, like, there's, I think 90% of this show is just Albert holding his lips together like, nope. No, no, not today. It's so good. Not today, Albert. It's so good. And like, what does he say? Another fine moment in American law enforcement or something he like that. He said something like that. And then it turns out that. And then Truman's like, actually, you, know, you, don't, you don't know how right you were. So they find a boot they'd been missing. Circle brand boot. The circle brand boot. And um, <laughs> Which is to important this, because that's what one According to this, sells. they found a lot of cocaine under the board. So, you know. That's that's what that's Truman says. We, said we found a boot in a, in a lot of cocaine. Oh, did he say a lot of cocaine? Yeah. I thought that was just their scientific measurement um, of it. But the bigger thing is, and you get a close-up of it, it's a Circle brand boot, which is the company that the one-armed man sells. Philip Gerard. Ah, he that I did circle, not Circle brand boot. Okay, so we cut to the diner. Uh, Hank, and let's all remember, and I didn't remember this until... Is this the one where that starts with the... 
super close up of some random guy. God damn, that's some good pie or whatever it was. Like, well, now that our listeners are deaf, um, they're not going to be able to listen to the rest of this. So I'm going to tell you yes. Okay. But I'm going to say that in a soothing voice. Oh, oh God. <laughs> that got terrifying. Uh, so we're back at the diner. Hank, and we have to remember that Hank just killed Leo. He shot, nope, mm-hmm. not killed him, but he shot him. He's he in tried a coma. to kill him. He tried yeah. to kill him. He assassinated. Assassination tab. So he's clearing a table at the diner. Maddie and Donna meet. Um, Maddie was wearing a pair of sunglasses that Laura had owned, and she took them off, gave them to Donna. Apparently Donna had asked for them at some point. I don't remember that, but... Um, it wasn't on screen. And then, you asked, she said, like, oh. you asked for these or whatever. And then Maddie takes off her glasses, breaks them, and says, I hate these glasses. I'm never wearing them again. Does this make you more mad, or does the end of Goonies make you more mad? <laughs> I mean, they're both... There's a handful of movies or TV shows that do that that drive me nuts. Of, like, your physiological ailments don't get cured by adventure or what. So the end of Goonies, when... Mikey throws away his inhaler. Not, not my husband, Mikey. My, uh-huh. my husband. Um, was not a oh, joke. Well, I, I want to make sure people are clear not, that you did not throw I, away your, your inhaler in the Goonies. I was not referring to myself in the third person at the end of Goonies. Um, Just making sure it's like, clear. You, because you went on this crazy adventure doesn't mean you don't have fucking asthma anymore. Because you are like thrown into this whirlwind now of like, oh, who killed my cousin and what's going on? doesn't mean you don't have fucking astigmatism or whatever the fuck you're wearing glasses for. Like, that doesn't make sense. And can I one-up that? Yes. Just because you need glasses or need an inhaler doesn't mean you're inherently weak. And right. that's the implication there. It's like, oh my god, I was such a I'm dork. Stronger. I needed glasses. I'm stronger oh, now. I yeah. needed an inhaler. It's, it's extraordinarily ableist. It is... Yeah, it, it's just such a weird... And, it's, and they it's do it a lot. Bad take. It is a deeply bad take. It always has been, always will be. Because like I've been, I've worn glasses since I was in third grade, yeah. and like every time that shit happens, I was like, oh, did I did I not like use my super sight strong enough? You know, it, it just it's not right. It's 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 super weird, and it's like I'm gonna wear contacts now. Say say something. Mm-hmm. If you don't want, if you're trying to like make it so you don't have to make this character wear glasses anymore, yeah. sure. But something. It's or just, just it's, like it's just bizarre. Anymore. And like, I, you don't need to. It's a it's a trope that it's is used bad. frequently, and I hate it. It's used frequently, and it's used to make less able-bodied right. people feel like shit, and it works. Um, so Madeline, Maddie breaks her glasses, says she hates them. Donna says that James spent the night in jail and urges Maddie to keep quiet. So they're kind of worried that they inadvertently which is, caused. Yeah, Jacob's which is also where Donna's like, oh, we didn't do anything wrong. You know, except breaking and entering and theft and yeah. all this shit. Like, and just fucking with the dude. Like, Right. It's, yeah, there's. There's a lot of things you did wrong. Yeah. You didn't necessarily directly cause his heart attack or right. attack him. But you kind of, you kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Norma l- delivers a letter to Donna, um, reading, "Quote: Look into the meals on wheels." This is a this is a bit that I like that Twin Peaks does. Is oh, this letter came for you to the diner, from who <laughs> don't know. It's it's just like 
four steps removed enough to be like, doesn't matter where the fuck it came up. I want to give me, the director, yeah. the guy who's creating all this, I want to give you a clue. Don't, doesn't matter where it came from. I just want to get this thing going. Although it makes me think sometimes, like where we live so firmly in a in a digital world, but like if I was trying to get a message to you and you didn't seem to be at home, you didn't seem to be at work. Oh, I don't. It makes I, sense to me that like I don't oh, mind that. I know she. I don't mind the idea life. of it being mailed to the diner. I want to know like who the fuck did it come from? It doesn't matter. Uh, we don't know. I don't think arrived. we ever find out. Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. I just want to kick off this new storyline of Meals on Wheels. Which they could, I think they could have done that more effectively if they had said, like, oh, did you see in her diary? She talked about Meals on Wheels and then X, Y, Z. Like The point is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It was just like this, I think by sending it to the diner via envelope with no return address, all this stuff is just saying it's so far removed, it doesn't Don't matter worry who about sent it. it. Don't worry. Don't try to figure out. There isn't a mystery about who sent this. Right. It's just... Take note of what's in it. Right. That's all that matters. Uh, the log lady sits at a nearby booth in the corner. Spits her gum out. Dram- Spits her a gum giant out. giant wad of gum. Spits too. her gum out. Misses where she wants to stick it, so just sticks it to the wall. Mm-hmm. Great. That was very good. End of scene. And it's just this giant wad. Oh, and then so does it, sticks it to the wall, and then puts in a new stick of gum. Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. Um, Albert dresses Cooper's wound, says that Gordon Cole ordered him to return. Uh, Gordon Cole is somebody we have not their met boss, yet, the, yeah. and their boss. Uh, Andy reports that Leo Johnson was locked in a jail in Hungry Horse, Montana. Actually, I think I remember Hungry Horse. Uh, so he has an alibi for Dr- Teresa Banks' murder. Have we heard of... Oh, Teresa Banks is the one that... Was married a, murdered a year before yes. Cooper showed up, and he said there's striking similarities between Laura Palmer's death and this murder that happened a year before... Which is why they brought me in. We think we have a serial killer. Right. Right, right, right. But if it's a serial killer and Leo killed Laura, he couldn't have killed Teresa. Mm-hmm. So it's either not a serial killer or it's not Leo. Or like If it's a serial killer, it's not Leo or it's not a serial killer, mm-hmm, basically. So we cut to the police station, the one-armed man whose name is... Philip Gerard. Philip Gerard. Philip Gerard slash Mike. Mike uh, enters the station carrying a large suitcase and asks for Sheriff Truman, saying he's there to sell him some shoes. In a really creepy and weird exchange. Because he doesn't like, oh, he asked me to come by whenever I could, and I can now, and I couldn't before. Yeah. This, and then he's like, what do you need? He's like, I'm selling this shoes. This reminds me of a really weird exchange from season three that I, I didn't remember this exchange. I remember the season three one. With the like tax guy who comes in and Lucy's like, I don't know, which Sheriff Truman do you want? Ah, and it's a really weird exchange early, mm-hmm. and then doesn't really nothing really comes of it. And mm. this this reminds me a lot of just that, just like of- just this weird exchange yeah. of like you're almost having two different conversations, and Lucy's just like, what? <laughs> and then they like have this creepy moment of like. One armed man turns around to face the camera and walk off frame, mm-hmm. and they slowly zoom into Lucy, and then she just goes, "Shoes," <laughs> and like this way that's just so like, "What? Yeah, what the fuck was all of that?" Yeah, 
Like Lucy is Lucy's very much an audience surrogate, which I like about her. And it's also like she's like a duck. Like weird shit happens to her, just rolls off her back. She's like, yeah, oh, that was exactly. weird. Uh. exactly. But like that's the audience surrogate. Yeah. Like that's what that's what Lynch and Frost want from you is to be like, weird shit's gonna happen. Roll with it. It's cool. Uh, so then we cut to Harry. He finishes listening to Laura's tape with James, who says that Mike and Bobby put the cocaine in his, de- his gas tank. The coconut tape. The coconut tape. Um, he tells Harry about a poem Laura said in the woods about fire. Quote, would you like to play with fire, little boy? Would you like to play with Bob? Cooper enters and demands the other half. Another great scene by James, by the way. Yeah, he really like Lynch gets him. Uh, there, there's a like, there's a few people like. If there's if there's important stuff to be had, James Marshall is good at it. The problem is they had, they didn't know what they were writing later. Like the the, the he's got so many bad sequences, but mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, continue. Um. Cooper enters and demands the other half of Laura's necklace. James hands it over and says it was in a coconut inside uh, Dr. Jacoby's office. Donna enters the station house wearing the sunglasses, and she kind of does, she has this, like, new femme fatale. I hate this scene. Yeah. No, you deeply do. You're going to the bathroom, and you almost had me just keep playing it so you didn't have to watch it. <laughs> Lucy recognizes her, and Donna says she wants to see James. She visits him in his cell. Uh, she tries to kiss him. He won't kiss her, and so she sucks on his knuckle. Like a regular sexy person does. <laughs> it's just so... Like, they're they're clearly setting up that Donna isn't the naive Nancy Drew that she was in season one. They're trying to take her character in a new direction. When it feels like they're trying to spin off... Yeah, they're trying to spin off a new side story with, with the two of them, but they, A, have no chemistry. <laughs> yeah. B, I don't... I think the problem, and it, I don't think it's necessarily a problem with either of their performances, but I think it is a yeah. problem from the writer's room of, like, nobody cares about these characters, so right. nobody's going to And give you're them, not giving them anything to care, like, not even about the character, but, like, the things that are happening nobody cares about. Right. You've already proven that you have nothing to do with the Laura Palmer mystery. Right. No one cares. You're a best friend or boyfriend. You guys didn't know what the fuck was right. up, so, like, what good are you to and, us? And it, at the end of it, they... They clear it up. They they starting to set up the whole Meals on Wheels thing, which mm-hmm. is an interesting plot line yeah, for yeah. Donna. I like that. That gives them something interesting to yeah. do. I, it just doesn't have like anything to do these, with James, but whether yeah. it's the actors, whether it's the characters, just the writers don't seem to like be passionate about giving these people an interesting and good yeah story. They they're just it's, a it's attraction. what's it's it's troublesome because the characters who are the most interesting mm. are not the regular players. It's Sarah Palmer. It's the Log Lady. It's all these great characters. Also Don to... Davis as Major Briggs. Yeah. All these great characters, but the people you have contracted are James Marshall and Laura Flamboyle but and all these. Do people. you think it's that, or do you think it's much easier to make a character interesting when you show them in five scenes over six episodes versus? I they think, need to have dialogue every scene. They need to be in a house. They need. We need to see how they live and who their relatives are. As opposed to like, Walk Lady, we don't know shit about her. Sorry if her dog is barking. It's July 5th. We thought that would meant fireworks would stop. But, you know, America is aggro, I guess. Um, so, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, no, I know what you mean. I But it's also just... The same way it's probably easier to write a well-sculpted character for a movie than it is for seven seasons of a TV show because they have to keep having things happen. The problem is they were prominent characters early on. 
and they didn't think of what to do with him after that. And they were always just scrambling to find a new mm-hmm. thing. And you can tell. Yeah. Um, so then we cut back to the station house. Cooper asks Lucy and Andy to look through a pile of Flesh World ads for Teresa, which was fun and funny. Great, great. Time. Anytime Andy and Lucy are together, I'm happy. Sure, sure. Okay. Then we go to uh, Doc Hayward, who is inspecting Jacoby. I, I do like that also in that scene, like Andy tries to show off again. When he's he? a little like he's like, so I've got all these things. He's like, and and this is a picture of Teresa Banks who was murdered a year ago. And he's like, and you want us to go through these oh. and find like one step ahead of you, buddy? Like, yeah, duh. Like, and yeah. and then and then, um, Lucy does the great moment of like, yeah, it's police work. It's not that awkward. And then opens up and it's like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a great, it's a great. Back and she, point. Lucy gives delivers a couple really good Officer Brennan's in this episode. Yeah. Because she does it with such venom, and I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, Cooper and Harry come to visit the psychiatrist. Cooper demands that Jacoby tells him Cooper where he got the necklace. Jacoby admits that he followed a red Corvette, then followed James and Donna through the woods. He said they buried, he says they talked really seriously for mm-hmm. a while, and they buried something under a rock, and he took it. Jacoby says that uh, Laura was a divided heart, leading a double life, and he believes Laura had decided to end her life, which it didn't sound like she decided to, to attempt suicide, but more like felt well, like her life was wrapping up. And they they clarify that a little bit because Truman oh, takes yes, that she, approach and he says, but but Laura didn't commit suicide. She allowed and, herself to be killed. And that's when he, put when he says, yeah, she yeah. allowed herself to be killed. Um, Cooper asked Jacoby about Jacques. Actually, uh, Cooper's the one who says she didn't commit suicide. But it, uh, Cooper asked Jacoby about Jacques' death and he said there was a smell like scorched engine oil. I don't remember that. Yeah. It, it's a, like they ask him like, you were here when Leo, like, when the, this person, whoever it was, came in and killed. Um, <laughs> Mikey's been giving the dog treats to keep her quiet. So every time he gestures, like, is that my, for um, you, is that for me? Or so, But hey, they uh, asked Jacoby, since you were here, someone killed Jacques Renault last night. Do you remember anything of it? And he's like, I don't. I was in and out of it. I was heavily sedated. I remember a fire alarm going off. Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember, I remember a smell. And then that's a good moment of like, Cooper's like, oh, often when someone is strangled to death, they evacuate their bowels. And he's like, no, no, no. No, wasn't it? It was like, and you see him, he's really, what I like is that he's really struggling to find what is the smell. And he's like, it's like oil, like Gorged mm-hmm. engine oil. Like, he's really trying to come up with a descriptive word for yeah. what the smell is, which is cool. Um, Bobby vits- visits Shelly and brings her flowers. That's a great scene, too. Yeah, it was really nice. It's really like, sweet. They do their, like, no, playing No, 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 doctor. that's my wine. Your wine is... He's trying nice. to squeeze the last drops out of my bag of wine. Don't worry about it. You're not even doing a good job. You're not you should go to Target before it closes to get us more wine. Um, Bobby visits Shelly, brings a brown. Um, oh, also a runner in this particular episode is that hospital food is bad. And when and they demonstrate that by it being like one of those trays that has compartments and it's just different colored goops. Yeah, it's super gross. It genuinely reminds me of like if somebody who'd never had Ethiopian food tried to describe it. It's just like 
different plops of goop. But yeah. Ethiopian food is amazing, and this looked bad. There's no Ethiopian food out here. We're in a fucking Ethiopian Sorry. food desert. Yeah. But, like, and they even capped that whole hospital sequence with, like, a doctor walking up and be like, you got to do something about this food. Yeah. Like, it's just to, so. And he calls the nurse nurse. Yeah. Because, you know, respect. Um, Big Ed sits in the hallway um, and Cooper talks to him privately. Ed tells his story with Norman and Nadine, including the detail that he shot Nadine's eye out on their honeymoon. Putting Albert in this scene. makes this scene not boring i think it gives it the like it could it could it's not that it's boring but it it could easily be one of those stories that you kind of just get lost you just forget about sure and you get distracted but like putting i think the fact that ed is the reason nadine has an ipad is pretty interesting oh that's like the stuff that happens in it is great but it's because it's all one big monologue and also ed has a very this is not a dig on him a very soothing oh he's great I don't want to say monotonous, but just like a, like I want him to read me a story mm-hmm. to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I want him to read me Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Um, so, but like, but just during the whole scene, Albert's like fighting back, laughing at him and stuff, and it's just wonderful. And I, I God, I'm so obsessed with this story of him. So essentially, the story he tells is that he and Nadine were together all through high school. Him and, and Norma. Him and Norma were together all through high school. Um, everybody assumed they got married. He would assume they would get married. And then she ran off one night with um, Hank. with Hank. He was brokenhearted, gra- basically grabbed Nadine and was like, yeah, they, and like they, let's they, run away together. They ran off and they don't give a stern timeline, but it sounds like it's like within a few days. Oh, yeah. So we looked for a, a pastor. We decided to get, or, you know, we went for chapel. Justice of the peace, yeah. Tried to get married, got married, went on a honeymoon. I was shooting something. Nadine's better shot they, than they're me. They're pheasant, shooting pheasant. Nadine's yeah. better shot than me. She'd already bagged a lot, but I tried again. Something skipped off, hit her in the eye. And then it turned out that Norma hadn't even slept with uh, yeah. with, with her now husband. And it's and then he, it's just this so... It just adds so this dynamic. Sad. This dynamic that's just so like... Just this lack of communication or something that like... If these four people just got into a room and like talked it out, mm-hmm. it would all work itself out. But yep. like... Yeah, it's, um, it, it's just very... It's, there's something very Shakespearean about it. Yeah. It's, there's yeah, for sure. so many like little things that happen to keep this love story from happening. Um, um, James is released to Ed. Uh, Ed is, is James' uncle. Uncle. And only parental figure that we ever deal with. Cooper sees the the body bag hanging, notices that it's shaped like a smile. Which is, to me, it's very creepy imagery. I don't know why. I, I love find it. it really, I, it's, really... It's, it's cool, but also, like... Oh. Like, I get where you're going with this yeah. with this clue structure. It's not like a bag that's become animate and, like, yeah. has a smile. It's literally just the way it's oh, draped. I get it. It's draped horizontally. So it's, it's, it's hanging over, like, a slop sink. Yeah. And the zipper of the bag is open mm-hmm. um, so that... The top of the zipper is basically flat, and the bottom of the zipper is dropped down, and that's where excess liquid is falling out of into the sink. Exactly. So it looks like it's smiling. Yeah. Um, Cooper says, uh, oh, Pete inspects the hospital food and rejects it. End of sentence, <laughs> end of paragraph. Well, he does the great character work of, like, 
He smells it. He oh, yeah. Can't really smell it. And then he takes off his oxygen tube from his nose and it smells it. And it's like, oh, God. And he's like heavy sniffing in his yeah. oxygen tube. Like, it's a great little bit. Uh, like, it's a dumb conceit of like hospital oh, food is all really bad. bad. But everybody's delivery of it is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's very good. Um, Bobby enters the diner. He sees his father who calls him over. Um, this scene is just wonderful. God, and so we talked about Major Briggs. The actor's name is... Don Davis. And we've seen him twice in the last, like, few days. Yeah, we watched... Best, he's in Best in Show, mm-hmm. and he's in A League, League of Their of Own, Own, which we watched both of in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and just, like, what a stalwart actor. He, yeah, he appears in a lot of stuff. And he brings a gravity to things yeah. that he... like. His well, scene, he's got this just great yeah, delivery. Yeah, man, if you haven't seen oh, A League Everything Own, is just... If you haven't just seen A League of Their Own in a minute, like, that is worth it. Really I, a League of Their Own is so, so well. Um, Hence the name of our dog, Dottie Hinson. Hence the name of it. <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> did you get it? It Nailed was it. a plan words. Uh, Major Briggs tells Bobby um, of a vision, she, a vision he had, being in an old family house and embracing Bobby. And essentially he says, I believe your future is bright. Returning to the house's grand foyer and there came a knock at the door. My son was standing there. He was happy and carefree. Clearly living a life of deep harmony and joy. We embraced a warm and loving embrace. Nothing was held. We were, in this moment, one. My vision ended. I awoke with a tremendous feeling of optimism and confidence in you and your future. That was my vision of you. You? I'm so glad to have had this opportunity to share it with you. Yeah. In so many words. And Dana Ashbrook's acting in this scene is wonderful. Like, he's he doesn't do anything but listen to Don Davis, and, like, he starts tearing up in this way that's just, like, he has... Bobby Briggs has this real moment of realization of, mm-hmm. like, I never got this from you. Yeah. And... And this whole setup is a real catalyst. Like, this is where I was saying earlier about how David Lynch's stuff carries through more than any other director's mm-hmm. work in this carries through. So when David Lynch started season three, even though Don Davis, the actor, died mm-hmm. several years before season three started filming, it's heavily revolved around mm-hmm. Major Briggs. Mm-hmm. And specifically Bobby Briggs and this relationship and this sequence of like Bobby's bright future and Bobby coming to be a good, good person who's not just like ornery and teenager. Like it's this sequence is really a huge predecessor to season three. Mm -hmm. And it's it, it feels like. David Lynch was kicking something off here and none of the other writers or directors carried anything with it. So mm-hmm. he's like, fine, I'll I'll bring it back when I do season three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 25 like, years later. I don't have to make you carry about, the, carry right. about this plot line. I will. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, Norma returns to the diner. Um, she tells Hank that she can't talk. I don't know what that's in reference to. I don't remember that. Um, and she then, was just broken up because she saw Ed and Nadine like caressing yes. and holding hands in the hospital. Yes. And, no, she, yeah, like, and, and she was. Nadine is still unconscious, but yeah. she saw Ed tending to her. In a well, way he was like holding her hand yeah. or whatever, but like feeling. And she kind of made her jump of like. That's it for me. Then. That's it. Yeah. I, he's made his decision. He, yeah. He's standing by her in this moment and whatever. And then she comes back and realizes all she's got is fucking Hank. And she's like, fuck you. I don't want to deal with you yeah, right yeah. now. And then Bobby looks at Hank. And, and realize, and that's when he remembers. Two, two together oh shit! This is the guy I just saw shoot fucking Leo. Leo. Um, Cooper discusses Laura's diary. Says that she's made two appointments. They summarize their knowledge of what happened to Laura that night. Yeah, this is this is like almost one big long take mm-hmm. of. This is also one of the the shots they couldn't recover. Oh, for is this each the thing with the uh, the donuts. Yeah, so if you watch this whole shot, it's not in HD compared mm-hmm. to everything else that you're watching because they couldn't find the original negative for it mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but it's just one big long take of Co- of Cooper and it pans across the table and the donuts and the coffee and up to Andy eventually. Um, but it's basically just summarizing everything. This is a very kind of exposition. the second time they've done this yeah, in this it's, episode. It's we probably have some new viewers uh-huh. all this stuff like let's tell you everything it is this person's dead this person's dead this bird was there bird's dead bird's dead this is all here basically in summation there was a third man who is that third man we need to find that third man yeah and so that sort of tees up the rest of season three or the uh, the first half more of season or less three, at least of like okay we know Leo was there. We know Jacques was there. We know they didn't do it. We know there's a third person here, and therefore he he is our guy. He is, he's right. our person, and he's still alive, which is handy. Um, Pete and Harry return to Pete's house, um, and Harry asks where Josie is. She left a note saying that she had to leave for emergency business in Seattle. Which is written in, like, super broken English, which is great. Yeah. Uh, Pete explains that she leaves for Seattle regularly and comes back with a lot of clothes. Bitches be shopping, am I right, Mikey? <laughs> That's the one thing Mikey tells me. Jessica, you can only buy 37 t-shirts from Target. You can't buy 38. They're all the same shirt. I just buy everything the same color. Harry then says they have not found Catherine and advises him to be prepared. <laughs> you should hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, the f- I, this, But this is a great moment of like, yes, this is a Pete scene and he's talking about his... I'm genuinely concerned for Catherine. We don't know where she is. I don't know if she's died. She's died in the mill. Uh, yeah, I think Josie's probably fine. She mm-hmm. ran off, whatever. But I don't know. But Pete's genuinely struggling. Meanwhile, it's just like a moment where you make a real, genuine realization of Truman is a great, like, yeah. like you you had said he's he's a a, a glue that mm-hmm. really like. He doesn't get a lot of – he doesn't have monologues. He doesn't have these, like, great character moments, but he's always opposite the great character moments. He has great interactions with Cooper. He has great interactions with Albert. He has I great would, interactions with Lucy, with Andy, with Pete, with everybody. Yeah, I would kind of argue – this might not be a good take, but I would kind of argue I wish he wasn't emotionally involved with Josie. 
Because I sort of like the idea of his character just being like the one person who isn't tangled up in shit. Unattached. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I, I honestly, I could do without Josie entirely. All of yeah. all of her stuff is just confusing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I I never felt an attachment to her because I'm too confused about where. Because every time she's on screen, you're trying to focus on what yeah, she's what's, doing. Yeah, where do her interests lie? Yeah. Who's playing who? All of this shit, and I never got that. And then like Cooper or like Truman is dating her, but like only when it's convenient. Right. Like, you forget about it a lot. Like, they're dating, but, like, he didn't even react when, when Pete was like, oh, she's she just leaves every couple of months. He didn't – that didn't – Trigger anything that's, with him. This yeah, is yeah. your girlfriend. She yeah. would have told you that yeah. she's leaving town for a while, right? But Mikey, I already told you, but just be shopping. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, yes, it's I just, it's, it's. I think giving him any attachments just sort of undercuts his stoicism. Yeah. And his, yeah, yeah, his yeah. ability to remain – very objective whereas all of these people are like fucking loons yeah including cooper and he is the one of them who's like listen i'm just gonna keep my nose down do the job sure. um uh harry says they haven't found oh we said that already the phone rings a strange man asks to talk to josie um she's obviously not there and we're seeing the man make the call he hangs up and calls hong kong next yeah. which is where we know josie is from um, ben and Jerry talk about European de- delicacies, and Ben asks Jerry, Ben asks if Jerry has seen Audrey, but he has not. They enter the office where Hank is waiting. I must have been playing Candy Crush during this part. That was that was like it pans. It's like a long like tracking shot from the man on the phone, and then it pans across, and then cuts through the lobby. That's like the conversation that they're having. Oh, okay. Um, they ask where Josie is. Um, he being Hank? Somebody says she left. He explains that he could not enter Leah's house. Oh, okay, so this is Hank. Uh, Hank explains that he could not enter Leah's house because he had to pass patrol cars on the way there and says Leo was chopping wood inside and defends his statement with Leo's craziness. I liked it. So what we know is that Hank has been sent to, uh, to assassinate or to murder Leo. And well, he's we, now in a coma because yeah. he was... We also know Leo was attacking... Um, Shell? Who's he attacking with the hatchet? Bobby. Bobby. He was attacking Bobby, who's dating... Bobby is dating Leo's Shh. wife, Shelly. Um, and he's attacking him with a hatchet. And I do you think... Okay, so what happens is... What he actually... What uh, Hank actually sees is Leo attacking Bobby with a hatchet. Or mm-hmm. an axe. I don't remember which it was. It was, a, it was an axe. It was, it a was an axe. axe. Um... Hank shoots Leo, does whatever he's supposed to do, and now he's like, yeah, I don't know, he was swinging an axe around, he must have been chopping wood inside. Do you think he's that much of an idiot, one? Do you think he doesn't care what he was doing and that is as fine an explanation as anything? Or do you think he saw what happened and was like, I don't need to be a part of this? Here's the thing. What's the thing, Michael? The Johnsons, Leo and Shelley, mm-hmm. wash their hair in the kitchen sink they do their laundry on the back porch. <laughs> Nothing is consistent. We've never seen their bedroom. So, yeah. Maybe Leo's chopping wood inside. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it was just, I don't, I don't think he even thought to put two and two together. 
He saw a man reaching back, saw a shot, took his shot, yeah. didn't care what happened after yeah. that. Um, Hank says that his phone call made Catherine hide and that she is dead. Hank asks what to do with the ledger. Don't, I don't know. That means nothing to me. Um, Audrey enters Blackie's <laughs> office. We're just going to move on. This is a very long podcast already. Uh, Audrey enters Blackie's office and asks about the locked door and bodyguard. Um, Blackie warns... <laughs> the bodyguard who I kept saying looked like Paul F. Tompkins. He did look like Paul F. Tompkins. Somebody kept But like jacked. Him. Like a, a jacked Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah. But same suit, same facial hair. Uh, probably laughs really hard at everybody's jokes because he's just a delight. <laughs> Uh, Blackie warn, warns her that she does not want to hear any more complaints because, oh, she was like, oh, the owner wasn't my type. And Blackie's like, yeah, what is your type? And it's like, I don't know, you. not my dad. You're a, yeah. But does Blackie know? Yeah, Blackie knows. What? That Audrey is Ben's daughter. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know. Uh, she doesn't even know Audrey's real name. Oh. She's Hester Prynne, according to... Blackie. Oh, and she's like, I, uh, for some reason I thought during that conversation she was like, I know who you are. But she, like, she's like, I know that's a... Not, that's a bullshit name, but yeah. I don't never also never asked to know what her real name is. Sure. Um, Donna calls Norma, Norma about Meals and Wheels and offers to take over Laura's route. Um, Which that's the setup for a, a cool storyline. Uh, yeah, yeah. I it's like a strong storyline. Uh, the youngest daughter of Will and Eileen Hayward. Her name is Gersten. 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 Yeah. So beautiful. It just rolls out the tongue. I like Gersten. I think it's Gersten. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a hot dog. Uh, addresses her parents. I said what I said. Okay. Um, Gersten and Har- Harriet. <laughs> Gersten, Harriet, and Donna. I thought Laura. Oh, no, no, no Donna. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Uh, Gersten, who's this, like, beautiful young woman. She's probably, like, 12 or 13. But Alicia Witt, who is a fairly prominent. That's Alicia Witt? Yeah. What? She, she, so when season three comes back... There's no Donna. There is a Will Hayward and there's a Gersten Hayward. And that's it. Those are the only Haywards that make it into season three, which is no Donna, which is odd. My mind is blown. I don't think I realized that was the same person. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. Things are, okay. Things are shaken. Um, but she's got, like, waist-length red hair and plays piano like a motherfucker. Um, Which you don't really see until the end credits, until the end. but yeah. Um, she addresses her parents, good. Leland. So there's a little dinner party happening at the Haywards. Um, so there's Will and Eileen. Will is his first name. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Will and Eileen Hayward, um, Leland and Sarah Palmer, Maddie, Harriet, Harriet's the other sister, and, and Donna. Maddie, Harry, and Donna. Oh, you said Matt. Okay, yeah. Um, they welcome them to the Hayward Supper Club, which is a thing my friends and I tried to t- bring back, but guess what? Quarantine. Um, she says she'll be playing music, brags about her test scores, but first, the Hayward's middle child, Harriet, reads a poem about Laura. It was Laura, and I saw her glowing in the dark woods. I saw her smiling. We were crying, and I saw her laughing. In our sadness, I saw her dancing. It was Laura living in my dreams. It was Laura 
The glow was life. Her smile was to say, it was all right to cry. The woods was our sadness. The dance was her calling. It was Laura. And she came to kiss me goodbye. Uh, Leland and Sarah are moved. I feel like that poem could very well be a log lady intro. Very much so. Everything in it is... I, I don't know for sure, but seems like it was written by David Lynch mm-hmm. to tell you all about, like, what is Laura? Laura's the yeah. light. Laura's yeah. the, like, all of this stuff is, like, reminder of, like, where were we when we started this journey? Like, all of that stuff right. is, this is basically before David Lynch wrote Log Lady intros, mm-hmm. David Lynch wrote Harriet's poetry. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Gerson then plays a place by, uh, Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, the Palmers and Haywards discuss recent events, and then Leland stands up. So, I remember, this is a thing I remember so distinctly watching for the first time with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when we were first, so you had to understand, Mikey and I were dating, and this is probably 2010 when I watched this. So, <laughs> Mikey had a roommate, so we basically lived out of his bedroom, and you had, like, a... 30-inch tube TV. 27. Oh, sorry. I forgot you weren't a king. Um, and we watched this, and I remember so specifically that Leland is like, let's get happy. And I was like, this motherfucker is going to sing let's ha- get happy. I fucking know. Because I know yeah. I'm a Judy Garland. I love like old school musicals. Get happy is what she sang in Summerstock, which is one of my favorite, mm-hmm. favorite musicals. Gene Kelly is my jam. And he says get happy. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> this could not be less appropriate. And he kind of like tells her to play and she just like ha- like plays it out on the piano. This is the first time I've ever really looked at her when she's singing it when they're playing it and she's looking at Terrified? him like because it's looking just, at Leland or looking at her Looking parents? at Leland because he just keeps getting faster and faster he and does. like like he keeps changing the temp and she's trying to keep up with him and she's like, What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um uh, Leland falls over, recovers quickly, and says he feels happy. Um, Cooper makes a voice note to Diane about the necessity of sleep because he talks about he's been going a couple days without sleep. Talks yeah, about sleep how- deprivation is a one-way ticket to psychosis yeah, or whatever. Temporary psychosis. Yeah. Uh, Audrey lies in bed praying to special special agent, which is obviously Cooper. She says, I left you a note. Didn't you find it? Um, and then Mikey was really annoyed because it's under the bed, even though Cooper definitely put it on the table under the Well, yeah, and, and it's even in the beginning of this episode, you see it on the table underneath the, the phone handle. Yeah. Um, a shadow passes over Cooper in his sleep. The giant is back. Quote, don't search for all the answers at once. A path is formed by laying one stone at a time. Sure. Before before that, just real quick, like, the pro- so at the end of that Dancing and singing sequence, mm-hmm. Leo Leo collapses or uh, Leland collapses, recovers which, quickly and says he feels happy. But like, I always it always bothered me that I can't get into the emotional weight of that scene because he collapses and behind Will oh. Hayward is like holding <laughs> his head up and behind Will Hayward is like a complete electrical box with all of like the lighting cords plugged into it and like a foot of somebody sitting on a couch. 
Like it's it's, it's not even like oh nobody's gonna notice this because it's never gonna be in HD. It is like it's there's blatant. a bundle of cords going through the top cord. It's top right it's the entire screen. box yeah. of like where every cord is plugged yeah, into. It's not great. It's pretty bad. It really slap you for it. Really is. It really is. Yeah. And it always it's always bothered me because it's it seems out of out of type for uh, right against type right. for 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 Lynch. But anyway, um, so the giant comes back and... Yeah. Uh, the giant is back. He says, quote, don't search for all the answers at once. A path is formed by laying one stone at a time. One person saw the third man. Three have seen him, yes, but not his body. One only known to you, ready now to talk. And the giant flashes a globe of light onto Cooper's head. Um, which, God, I guess we can't break that down too much until we reveal I mean you can I think we know Bob is the killer do we? Killer Bob I mean he's credited as Killer Bob Okay. you see even in this episode you see him pounding and and screaming yeah. and Bob is the killer mm-hmm. so what is it three people have seen him him being Bob Bob is so the killer Sarah um, that's the only one I know what well, else about Laura Laura account Maybe, but okay. Cooper, uh, well, I guess Cooper hasn't. But the point being, people have seen Bob. Mm-hmm. Who has seen who Bob Three is? Three have seen him, yes, but not his body, which is really important. So it's, one it's, person it's has seen his this. body. The Three ver- have seen him, yes, but not. One person saw the third man. Three have seen him, yes, I got you. One person saw the, the no. third man. So the third man in the body that was being presented. Mm-hmm was seen by one person and then in the subsequent scene Ronette awakens from her um, coma. The fluorescent lights flicker in the hospital. Ronette raises her arms and thrashes around having nightmares of Laura's final moments. The man with long gray hair screams at the sky. That's Bob. Mm-hmm. And, that and is... you see Laura screaming in, in a creepy imagery. Like all of it. Yeah, like, it's all deep, but, deeply terrifying yeah, as, it, but it's, as lunches want it, to be. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. I, but this is this is a great episode. This is teen like it's David Lynch mm-hmm. and Mark Frost giving you so much fodder to do great work. Mm-hmm. What do you? And then I feel like sitting back and being like, oh, "What are you gonna do with this? Yeah. What comes next?" I've been watching a lot of Hamilton, so everything oh, yeah. you say has been really like teeing up Hamilton. That's what I do. Me. I try to tee up Hamilton. That's what all comes I next? You've been freed. Um. Do you know? You keep, you think, and I'll sing, and then whenever oh, you have that, a thing to say, are you going to tell me singing. about the train car where it happened or something? The train car where it happened. How fucking dare you? Yeah, well, how dare you? Ugh, okay. Point um, is, I don't know. Like <laughs> this, this is just. It's it's a great episode to be directed by David Lynch. Mm-hmm. It's a great catalyst for all the new storylines that are happening. It also tells you like. Yes, Laura Palmer's killer is still a through line of this series. Right. But look how slow this episode is. We're not going to tell you right away. Yeah. Like, slow down. We're yeah. like they're trying to remind the audience this isn't about who killed Laura Palmer. This is about the town. This is about the characters. This is about everything. Mm-hmm. Slow it down. We'll get there eventually, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, the networks had a problem with that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Alicia Witt was in Justified. She was really good in Justified. Was? Alicia Witt? Oh. Like, anybody who gets to smooch uh, what's-his-face is my favorite person. 
What's his face? Timothy Oliphant. Oh, he's so handsome. How did he get so handsome? Takes that for me. Hey, should Friday Night Lights <laughs> be our next weird show that we watch? I Ugh. hear a lot of people like it a lot. I don't know. I watched the movie. It's okay. I, I just hear people really love it. Mikey and I try to like always have a show that we're just sort of watching if we have nothing else to do. I'm, right the, now it's been lost and we're both actively angry about it. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's tough because I love most all of Twin Peaks, but like, I, I don't, I don't love TV. Yeah, which is I honestly, because I like the idea like because you can tell in television any individual person who's writing or directing unless it's written directed by the same person, which is why I love season 3 of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. They 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 don't know what's going to happen next. They're writing writing it for it's like a like the uh what's that race where you pass the baton to different people, you know? Really? What I mean? Yeah, like and they're passing it to somebody else. I'm like, kid, huh? who knows what else is going to happen from this? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's sure. it's it's bothersome to me because I feel like as soon as I start to get invested in something, who knows if and when it's going to be resolved. Mm-hmm. And it, it always irks me. I like the idea of but you I can think, tell when somebody knows what the conclusion of this story is going to be. I think more contemporary television, not always. I will not say they always do, but like – they tend to have like more of a, you know, one, two, three episode or three season arc that they at least know they're getting to, and they're not just like, mm, actually, this director. Sometimes, this but, but what tends to be the problem with a lot of that to me is that like, even if they have their arc, their arc rectifies in the last three episodes of the season, mm-hmm. and the f- six, seven, eight episodes subsequent to that are kind of meaningless. Mm-hmm. Wrong. TV is the best. Okay. Okay. Um, I like movies. I like movies more. Oh my god, movies are boring. I'm kidding. Yeah, but I'm not though. Um, okay. Well, cool, guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us for another season. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.